Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, everyone. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. And that's Khadija. She immediately screams. She's like, I had her choir for the last like 15 minutes. And she's like, no, don't forget about me. You know? <laughs> so welcome from Khadija as well in the background. Uh, welcome back. And uh, alhamdulillah, we are blessed to have with us uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Hindi uh, today as our guest. Sheikh Ibrahim, how's it going? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. How are things in Canada? Alhamdulillah, I was just telling Sheikh Abdullah, you know, the weather is great, but then when I translated it for him, it was very cold. So it's great <laughs> for us, but it's cold for you. <laughs> Are you having poutine for iftar? Oh, I wish, inshallah. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be pizza and wings. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> it's good to have you, Sheikh Abdullah. How are you feeling? I'm good, Alhamdulillah. I'm good, Alhamdulillah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. So, uh, first of all, remind everyone, inshallah, you can actually go to yaqeeninstitute.org slash Ramadan. I've been telling everyone, um, go to the comments to download the ebooks. This is easier, inshallah. Go to yaqeeninstitute.org slash Ramadan, and you can download the ebooks with the Nahi Ta'ala for the first, uh, the, the summary of the first season of Quran 30 for 30, as well as the du'a book by uh, Sheikh Tahir Wyatt, inshallah ta'ala. And inshallah, a reminder to everyone to please continue to contribute uh, to Yaqeen Institute amongst the other righteous causes that you are supporting by clicking on the donate button, inshallah, and we appreciate that. And please do share the link as well. So this uh, this juz of Surah uh, Nisa, juz 5, is rich with seerah. I mean, it's so rich with seerah, honestly, that there were a few of these instances, subhanAllah, that I had uh, wanted to actually incorporate in the meeting Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam series, but um, ultimately uh, chose not to because of just time and restrictions and things of that sort. And subhanAllah, I think each one of us, in fact, tonight is going to be touching on some of the seerah elements and focus within Surah Nisa. So we already touched upon it. We talked about the post-Uhud context, and we're still within that context of post-Uhud, except Surah Nisa now in this part of the surah does go into later chapters of the Madani uh, series. So we're not just stuck to uh, the third year after Hijrah at this point, but in fact, it starts to cover other things. Um, and the theme of it, you know, as we talked about, is building a community on taqwa, and that taqwa, you know, leads us to justice in all of our affairs, and that justice in all of our affairs means rendering everything back to the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, it's really interesting about Surah Nisa, and I'm going to cover just a few of these instances from the seerah, is that... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving instructions to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on how to be just in certain scenarios. And he's giving instructions to the believing community to refer back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to follow his example of justice and then go back to him for justice. So again, the theme is Allah giving the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam instructions on justice, how to be just. Us by extension of that, especially when we find ourselves in a position of authority, and that instruction to the community that if you have taqwa, you will render everything back. If you have piety, you will render everything back to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to do justice by you in all of your affairs. So I'm going to go through a few of these incidents. First and foremost, subhanAllah, we start off with uh, verse 105. Inna that, O Messenger of Allah وسلم, we have revealed to you this book with the truth so that you may judge between the people in accordance with what Allah has shown to you. 
So do not become an advocate for the dishonest. I'm going to say that again, subhanAllah, because it's so powerful how this verse ends. This book was sent to you in truth so that you may judge between the people in accordance with what Allah has shown to you, O Messenger of Allah. So do not become an advocate on behalf of the dishonest. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us a few verses later because uh, everything uh, within the sequence of verses is referring to uh, the same incident. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكَ So this is now up to 1.13. وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكَ وَرَحْمَتُهُ لَهَمَّ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ أَنْ يُضِلُّوكَ And had it not been for Allah's favor and mercy upon you, a party amongst them, a group amongst them, would have plotted to mislead you, O Messenger of Allah. Meaning they would have tried to mislead you to false judgment. But at the, only, at, at the end of the day, وَمَا يُضَلُّونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ That they do not misguide except for themselves and they could not have harmed you in any way. So what is this incident referring to? And I'll paraphrase the incident. And I know that Shaykh Ibrahim, inshallah ta'ala, is going to touch up on it as well. Basically, you have, again, a, a community now where you have not just Muslims in Medina, but you have Jewish tribes, you have the hypocrites, you have all of these different people, and they are now under the authority of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, as he is constructing this community. And this incident refers to a man by the name of Tu'ma, who was a Muslim. And just listen to it, subhanAllah. It's, it's really, it, it gives you a lot of insight into how the Prophet وسلم, is having things presented to him. Tu'ma was a Muslim, but he stole a shield from uh, one of his brothers from the Ansar. So a Muslim steals a shield from another Muslim. Okay. Now, how does this become convoluted? What he does is, after he steals that shield, he hides it in the house of one of his Jewish friends, so that just in case he gets caught, he can actually put it all put all the blame on the Jewish man. And because He's a Muslim and he's a Jew, and they can present this present this to the Prophet ﷺ in the case of him getting caught, that it was the Jewish man who stole the shield and not him, the Muslim, stealing from his brother Muslim. They thought they could have misled the Prophet ﷺ to make a judgment in the favor or in, you know in in the favor of Tu'ma by not persecuting Tu'ma or prosecuting Tu'ma, but instead uh, putting the blame on the Jewish man. Now, obviously, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the plot was unveiled to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Tu'ma had stolen from his brother Muslim from the Ansar and he hid the, that, that armor with the Jewish man who after it was caught with him, that Jewish man unknowingly was going to be persecuted or prosecuted rather, even though he was an innocent man. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed that. And subhanAllah, the justice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam judged in accordance with justice. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam freed the Jewish man from responsibility because he was unaware and he was innocent. And, and uh, this, this plot was against him rather than him plotting. And the Prophet ﷺ instead prosecuted uh, Tu'ma himself, who was the guilty party in this regard. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say that uh, they would have, you know, had it not been for the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you, they would have been able to guide you to false judgment, meaning misguide you or lead you astray to where you would make a false judgment. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Messenger of Allah. ﷺ. And just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
about uh, the hypocrites in the earlier surahs, in Al-Baqarah and in Ali Imran, they only deceive themselves with their plots. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they only mislead themselves and they only harm themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed this book to the Prophet and taught him. Allah revealed to you, O Messenger of Allah, the book and the wisdom, and he taught you that which you know not. And indeed, the, the favor of Allah upon you is great, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And, you know, what, what this speaks about next is, you know, this, this punishment uh, to, towards those people, uh, towards this man. So if you go then to verse uh, 115, verse 115, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions, وَمَنْ يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى that as for him who sets himself against the Messenger of Allah وسلم, this is verse 115 and follows a path other than that of the believers even after true guidance had become clear to him we will let him go the way that he has turned to and he will be cast into hellfire verily an evil destination who is Allah speaking about here? Tu'ma once again subhanAllah look what he did this man after he plotted against his Ansari brother and then sought to put the blame on the Jew and sought to mislead the Prophet in judgment and that plot was unveiled, what did he do? He went to Mecca and he joined the enemies of Islam to fight against the Prophet because he was so angry that his plot failed. So think about subhanAllah how miserable of a situation that is. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning him and people like him in verse 115 in verse 143, I'm sorry, uh, you go forward in verse 135, one of the most famous verses about justice. Ya amanu kunu bil shuhada ala anfusikum aqrabin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O believers, be upholders of justice and bearers of witness to the truth for the sake of Allah, even if it may be against yourselves or against your parents or your kinsmen, or the rich, uh, 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 if it is a person who is ghani, or faqir, a person who is rich, a person who is poor. Uh, verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more concerned with their well-being than you are. So do not let your, your desires sway you away from justice. So this is a, a, a very beautiful verse, which I know the mashayikh are going to be talking about. And subhanAllah, look how beautiful the example of the Prophet is in this regard in upholding justice. Finally, one of my favorite stories of the seerah, uh, is actually here in verse 43. So it's not about justice, but go back to verse 43 in Surah Nisa. And it's the verse of Tayammum. And the verse of Tayammum has a story b behind it. Tayammum being what we do in the case of not having water, how we purify ourselves when we don't have water. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that we had went out with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on one of his journeys until we reached Al-Bayda or Dhat uh, al-Jaysh. And she said, one of my necklaces, and it was a black beaded necklace, uh, was lost. And Aisha radiallahu anha was crying over her necklace being lost. It wasn't that it was an expensive necklace, but it was precious to her. And when she told the Prophet sallallahu they're in the midst of a journey of an expedition, right? Think about the importance of this expedition. But when she told the Prophet sallallahu what happened, the Prophet sallallahu held up the entire army 
to look for that necklace and told the Sahaba to go looking for that necklace. So everyone starts to look everywhere for this black beaded necklace of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And then what happens? They run out of water. And so when they run out of water, the people are upset, but they can't tell the Prophet how upset they are. So who do they go to? They go to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Because Abu Bakr is the father of Aisha radiallahu anha. And they're complaining, they're saying, do you see what Aisha has done to us? She made the Messenger of Allah وسلم, stop so that uh, we have no more water. We have no access to water. So Abu Bakr is getting the heat of the Muslims that are upset now because they don't have enough water to make wudu with. Uh, they're running out of water to drink. But really it's the part of, of the, the fact that their water source is becoming so limited now that they're going to have to choose between wudu and drinking water. So Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he comes to, uh, to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and she gives the, uh, the image. She says, Rasulullah was sleeping with his head on my thigh. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is trying to admonish his daughter Aisha and the Prophet is sleeping on her thigh, subhanAllah. And uh, he's saying to Aisha radiallahu anha, Habasti Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa nas. You detained the Messenger of Allah and the people and were running out of water. And he was so upset with Aisha radiallahu anha, he's putting his finger into her other thigh, right? Driving his finger into her other thigh out of, out of being upset. Like, what are you doing to us? Because of your necklace, the Prophet sallam, uh, held up the entire army and we're running out of water. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse, the verse of tayammum. And subhanAllah, when, you know, which gave the permission for the Muslims to be able to find an excuse when they don't have water to still purify themselves. So as that verse came down, everyone performed tayammum and the narrative shifted. Uh, instead of them being upset with Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they said, ma hiya bi awwali barakatikum ya ala Abi Bakr. This is not the first barakah, the first blessing that came from you, O family of Abu Bakr. And so they got the excuse as Muslims now, we have the blessing of tayammum that was given to us from this incident. And then Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says that the camel that I was riding on got up from its place and the necklace was actually under her own camel. Radiallahu ta'ala anha, subhanAllah. So this incident is a beautiful incident um, uh, from the seerah as you come across verse 43 of Nisa. And what does it show us, by the way? Refer your matters to the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and look at the blessings that come to the community when they refer back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A blessing for the family of Abu Bakr, a blessing for Aisha radiallahu anha and a blessing for the entire Ummah. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Tfadlu uh, Shaykh Ibrahim, Shaykh Abdullah. Any reflections you share on that? I know Shaykh Ibrahim, you're going to talk about the incident of Tu'ma with, with some detail later on, inshallah. But any immediate reflections, inshallah? Yeah, subhanAllah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful story. And, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions in Surah An-Nisa, you know, advice to people who are with their wives and uh, how to treat the wife you know, with excellence and live with them honorably. And, uh, you know, subhanAllah kind of uh, comes into the story a little bit where the Prophet ﷺ, like any husband sometimes might be a little bit irritated with their wife, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends these verses and, you know, changes the whole story, subhanAllah. Um, and, you know, it's just an interesting thought to have that, um, you know, to have this this beautiful treatment towards our family and something that comes through th through that story. No, mashallah. Uh, you know, subhanAllah, you mentioned a lot, but one thing that I love about Surah Tanisa 
and particularly the two stories that you brought, primarily the story of Tu'ma and the story of Aisha radiallahu anha, radiallahu anha, radiallahu anha, is the human side of the Sahaba. And it, it, it sounds like an oxymoron, the human side of the Sahaba. Yes, they were human beings, because I don't know about you, but when I was young, we used to read those books. They had the gold spine on them. I think it was like Winnie the Pooh and all these like <laughs> fairy tales, right? <laughs> Sometimes we read so much of the companions or we hear about them or the way that it's explained because of certain words we use or certain cultural nuances, you know, especially our youth, it, you know, the Sahaba are far-fetched, they're, it, you know, they're, they're not real. It wasn't something that was real. We think of them as some make-believe person or people, but what made them Sahaba was the trials that they went through. I mean, when you hear the story of Tu'ma, it immediately reminds me of the different personalities that take place in any locality. You know, you think of all the companions were all, mashallah, they never made mistakes, but they were companions because of what they did after their mistakes with Allah and with each other, ultimately with Allah. So when you see the reaction of Tu'ma and how he was upset and how he went to the other side, and you know, I've seen that, you know, with, with people, you know, we've all seen it. So it just, it bring it humanizes the companions when you hear these stories. And that's why I highly, you know, implore you know, all of the ummah, mashallah, to read the hadith and the seer of the Prophet because it really humanizes the companions and the Prophet therefore we don't worship him. But he has been given the revelation, thus making him the best of, of creation. And then also the other beautiful aspect that I see is, um, you know, uh, you know when, when you said, when you Rasul, speaking about Tu'ma as well, I remember when we were studying in Usul al-Fiqh, uh, you know, the science of, of fiqh and the origins of fiqh or the, the, the methodolog methodological approaches that scholars use to derive rulings, this was a major proof, if not the number one proof that is used in, in regards to consensus, which is called ijma, uh, which, is a, which is a binding ruling in Islam to show that, you know, the whenever scholars have a binding opinion, it's impermissible to go against that opinion. And their scholars may have some differences in understanding particularly that, but in any case, generically speaking, this was one of the strongest proofs that scholars use to establish the the strength of, of ijma as a proof. So that's something that is beautiful. But uh, on the human side, what I want to talk about uh, uh, today, inshallah ta'ala, is verse number 35. Because when we talk about we as, us as human beings, we as human beings, we have our mistakes. We have our shortcomings. Hence, we have the name al-ghafur, al-ghafar, al-afu. All of these names that exemplify forgiveness and pardoning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's because we make mistakes. And we know the hadith of the Prophet regarding that. But this is particularly talking about that individual that knows your mistakes. Only that person and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is your wife or your husband. The Prophet he said, He said, The best of you are those who are best to his families, and I am the best of my family. I'll never forget one, one of my mashaykh in Medina. Uh, he said, because this hadith is so beautiful and great, is because no one will know you like your husband. And no one will know you like your wife. So Allah touches on many different aspects in this surah regarding the women and regarding how men should treat women and women should treat men. What are the, the adab, ashariya? What are the Islamic manners in regards to their rights and responsibilities because as we always say someone's right is someone else's responsibility so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this beautiful verse concluding some of the the approaches that the husband takes with the wife if there is some uh, there is some difference between them 
he brings the final solution and he says, so Allah firstly says, if you were to fear a complete breakup, if you were to fear that they would break up, shiqaq comes from shaq, and shaq is like a, literally a crack, right? So we say, if you were to fear that they were to break up, between them two, so here he says, if you were to fear that they were to have, they were to break up this married couple. And he's he's speaking to the ummah, some scholars say, and some scholars say the knowledgeable people in that locality. If you all, if you all were to fear that there would be some difference between them two, then look for an arbiter from her side and an arbiter from his side. Ahliha, from her family and his family. In other words, when you see that these the husband and wife are having problems and you know someone that may be in their family that is the wise man or the wise man in the, in the husband's family as well, then you should call them to, to serve as arbiters to bring reconciliation. But and this is what's important. Allah says, hakaman. And hakaman is a very particular, as every word in the Quran, every letter is purposeful. So when he says hakaman, it is more specific, more specific than a hakim even, because the hakaman is the one that has wisdom and the one that understands ahwal al-shakhs, the one that understands the situation of this woman that is complaining about her husband, the older uncle, her father's older brother, her grandfather, her, her, you know, her great grandfather knows her because he is just because she is just like his wife or his 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 other niece or nephew. So he knows her personality. He knows those particularities about her that the husband knows, but no one else really understands it because he's seen her since she was little. So this is something that is very important. Also, he has to have general knowledge of the religion. And what's most important which co coincides with the theme, he has to be just. He cannot have a bias. That is not easy. And that is why it's very important to understand when Allah uses this word, hakam, choosing one from her family and choosing one from his family. He has to look beyond the emotions of the woman and get to the facts and see what really took place and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whatever he decides, as well as the husband's side of the family, he has to look at the facts and not look at the emotions of the man or the benevolence of the man at times and use the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to drive him and to serve as his guide in this situation. Because these two, whatever they say, can be a means to separate them and also separate the children. So it's very important that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, look for a hakam on this side, on her side, and on his side. But with the condition, if they want reconciliation. Why? This is interesting here because some scholars say, who is they? Is it the wife and the husband or is it the two arbiters? Many scholars say it's the two arbiters because they are the ones at the time that may not want the shikah or they may not have the differences. You know, the husband and wife, they still may, may be very upset. So the hakam comes in with a level head, with, with deen, with religion, with fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, trying his best not to be biased. 
He is the one that these two want reconciliation. When we look at the life of Umm Salama radiallahu anhu, radiallahu anha, what happened when her husband fled to on the outskirts of Medina? Because the two, the two tribes had problems with each other. So when you see that your niece, your granddaughter, your daughter maybe even, is crying and she's coming to you, and then they ask you to judge because you're probably the, the, no, the known one of the jama'ah, of the, of, the, of, the, of the community, of, the, of your, your tribe, or whatever the case may be, you have to have a level head and not let the emotions take over. To where when you look at the hakam on the other side, the arbiter on her husband's side, her, his uncle, his father, whoever, you have to sit down at the table with him and look for and have the intention to reconcile between the two upon the kitab of Allah, upon the book of Allah and the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa ultimately. And that's why it's so important that when we see people such as convert girls get married to people that may not be or vice versa or people from two different cultures, it's very important to understand the cultural and I don't want to say baggage. I want to say cultural background because it's the right of the people of that culture to be understood as well as for you to understand what you're getting into. That's why I highly advise premarital counseling for those that plan to get married. And this verse is so profound in articulating that because you don't want it to reach to the shikak. You don't want it to reach to the differences. So here he says with the condition, if they have the niyyah, the intention. So when you come to the table, you should have the intention of bringing these two back together again, especially if there's children. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says with that condition, Allah will bring those two together. And that's what the scholars missing, you know, when they talk about your intention is paramount to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what he will choose and what he will decide. It's very, very important. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends off the verse. As we mentioned before, we mentioned numerous times that when we look at the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the verse, Tie it to the context of the verse. So here he says, Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is He will always be. When he uses kana, it's to show mudawama. He will always be the all-knowledgeable and the well-acquainted. And the all-knowledgeable is knowledge of what was, what is, what will be, and what hasn't been, if it was to be how it would be, as some scholars add on. But then he says after this, well acquainted. And the khabir between the difference between al-alim and al-khabir, as they say, al-khusus ba'd al-umum, or it is the specification after the generality. The khabir is the one that knows the bawatin, wa daqa'iq al-ashya'. He's the one that knows all the hidden things, all the minutiae. Why is this important in this context? Because he knows, oh uncle, oh grandfather, or judge, or imam, that has taken the position of the hakam. He knows your intention behind this. He knows what you really wanted. Did you really want reconciliation or did you want a high position or did you want money or did you want some type of bias to come your way? This verse, subhanAllah, is so important for all of us that are fathers, that are, all of us as human beings, because we have a father, we have a mother. We may know someone that's divorced and didn't have the hakam, didn't have the arbiter because they didn't know their rights. We may know someone that took advantage of a situation because they wanted their son back with them. They wanted their daughter back with them. So it's very important that we look at this verse, chapter 4, verse 35, and looking at the importance of wanting to keep Hibbuddin, the preservation of the religion, and the preservation of the lineage to the best of our ability, if it leads to 
fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that will bring the tawfiq, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh Abdullah. Uh, subhanallah, that was, that was beautiful, very, very, very real with a lot that's happening right now. May Allah guide us to justice. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to save my comments, inshallah. Shaykh Ibrahim, tafadl. Jazakallah khair. Uh, you know, like Sheikh Abdullah was just mentioning, <clears throat> this surah, subhanAllah, there's so much power in it, and there are so many rulings to do with women and families and relationships and husbands and, and wives and how to handle those issues. And, you know, subhanAllah, when people are looking at some of the larger surahs in the Quran, whether it's with Al-Baqarah, Ali Imran, or Nisa, or Al-Ba'idah, they see all these rulings, right? All these verses of rulings. And sometimes they get intimidated by them. But when you look at the theme behind the surah, and like Sheikh Omar mentioned in the beginning, this surah, basically every verse, or every other verse is about justice. When you start to read this surah and the rulings and everything that's coming in the surah through that framework of Islamic justice, you start to understand how you know powerful this surah really is. And right from the beginning, you get all these rulings about the orphans, and about women in marriages. So right from the beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, give the orphans their wealth. And he talks about the guardianship over orphans and how to deal with their wealth and when to give them their wealth. And he talks about women and he talks about the rights of women and the mahr that should be paid for them and how men shouldn't force their wives to give them back the gifts or the mahr that they have paid for them. All these different rulings are coming. And subhanAllah, the Prophet mentions you know, one hadith, he said, He stood in front of the people, he said, I am warning you about the rights of two types of people, the orphan and the woman. He said this, this to the people because in most societies throughout history, the orphan is oppressed and the rights are taken away and women are often oppressed and the rights are taken away. And so this surah starts to go through these um, issues by talking about and bringing different rulings about these two categories of people. And it doesn't stop there. There's other categories of people which are also mentioned in this surah, which is incredibly powerful for us to think about when we think about injustice and our responsibility as Muslims to bring justice in our society. So some set of verses that arrive uh, in the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the people who are stingy and they encourage other people to be stingy as well. So not only are they not giving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're encouraging others not to give for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who are stingy and they encourage others to be stingy. And they are concealing that which Allah has given them out of his bounty. We've prepared a punishment, humiliating punishment for the disbelievers. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts to talk about people who are stingy when it comes to the poor and the needy. And not only are they stingy, but they kind of create a framework to justify why they're not giving. And unfortunately, this type of characteristic exists in many communities, if not all communities. That there's a type of person who not only do they not want to give, but they start coming up with reasons of why not to give to, to other people or to other causes. So they'll be like, why are you giving? You don't know what, what this organization is doing with your money. Like, well, do you know do you know anything specifically bad about this organization? No. Well, why are you saying bad things about them? Well, you don't know, right? There's that type of person. Or there's somebody who's homeless and we say, hey, we should help them. 
And they'll say, well, why can't they just get a job? They're constantly looking for reasons to justify not giving. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this type of person. Why does he mention them? Because this type of person represents an injustice to the poor and to the needy in our societies. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَكْتُمُونَ مَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فضله. They have concealed that which Allah has given them out of his bounty. And some of the scholars interpret this to mean that, look, your money, where did you get your money from? Allah gave it to you. Right, your money is actually the thing that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave to you, and therefore the the poor and the needy have a right even over our money. And the next verse, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about another type of person: those who give their money. So the first verse is criticizing the people who are stingy and don't give money. The second verse is criticizing those who do give money. Why? They give their money They give their money for what reason? Why do they give money to the poor? Because they want to show off right? They give their money to people because they want to take a selfie with that person And they want to post on Instagram And that type of giving Obviously from a theological perspective It's deeply wrong because our intention needs to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Our desire when we do something good It should be seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But also that type of giving When a person is giving for the purpose of showing off It's demeaning to those who are needy It's demeaning to those who are at a disadvantage and need our support And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala criticizes The people really who are causing oppression To those who are poor and those who are needy And it creates it's also an atmosphere where people only want to give if they can show that they're giving. And if they can't show off their giving, they don't want to give. And so it causes injustice and hardship upon those who are needy and those who, are, uh, who require our support. Then there's also the discussion over uh, non-Muslims who live amongst Muslims. And Sheikh Omar mentioned the story of Tu'ma who steals the shield from another Muslim, from a Sahabi. And he hides it uh, in the house of a Jewish man and then they come and he said he denies having stolen it and the Jewish man denies having stolen it and they go to the Prophet ﷺ and all the relatives and the neighbors of Tu'ama go to the Prophet and they try putting pressure on the Prophet ﷺ and in some of the hadith literally they say to the Prophet are you going to defend a kafir, a disbeliever over Tu'ama who's a believer? And they put all this pressure on our Prophet ﷺ and subhanAllah when you think about it our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you know, would have had every reason to defend Tu'ma because Tu'ma is a Muslim, while the person who's accusing him is a non-Muslim. Tu'ma, uh, you know, has a big family and tribe and people who would support the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the Prophet wants their support. And you know, the Jewish tribes were causing problems for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at times, insulting him at times, helping the enemies of the Prophet. There was everything in, you know the interest of the Prophet ﷺ to defend Tu'ma and yet Allah reveals these verses in the Qur'an that Allah tells the Prophet indeed we revealed the book to you in truth so that you may judge between the people with what Allah has shown you therefore do not be uh, and do not be an advocate for those who are deceitful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows in these verses that the Jewish man was saying the truth, and the man who claimed to be a Muslim, who of course became of the munafiqun, Tu'ma was actually the one who was lying and deceitful. And this is such a powerful verse in the Qur'an to really show us to you know, think about our biases and to uh, you know, always defend the truth. Also, we see in the surah, um, the famous story of our Prophet wasallam, where he was sitting with Ibn Mas'ud and he, you know, he said to Ibn Mas'ud, recite the Qur'an for me. 
And Ibn Mas'ud said to the Prophet ﷺ, should I recite the Qur'an for you when it was revealed upon you? And the Prophet said, but I love to hear it from other than me. So Ibn Mas'ud began to recite until he reached a verse in the Qur'an. When he reached this verse, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Hasbuk, stop, stop. What was the verse? Ibn Mas'ud recited, فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جِئْنَا مِنْ كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ بِشَهِيدٍ وَجِئْنَا بِكَ عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ شَهِيدًا How will it be when we bring from every nation a witness and we bring you, O Muhammad, as a witness over these people? When Ibn Mas'ud reached this verse, the Prophet told him, stop. Ibn Mas'ud looked at the Prophet ﷺ and he found his, his eyes overflowing with tears. And subhanAllah, you look at this surah with all these different injunctions of justice and categories of people who are treated with injustice and the injunction to defend them. And what do we get in this surah? We get the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling the Prophet ﷺ about the Day of Judgment, when he will be a witness. And realize that the Prophet ﷺ will be brought as a witness on the Day of Judgment either for us or against us. If we are people of justice, um, and if we are people whose our rights are, have been taken away, the Prophet ﷺ will stand as a witness for us. And if we are people who are unjust to others, taking away the rights of others, the Prophet ﷺ will stand witness against us on the Day of Judgment. SubhanAllah, such a powerful statement. And the Prophet ﷺ weeping, thinking about the greatness of that Day of Judgment. And we see also in the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about justice, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying in this, uh, Allah does not cause injustice even as much as an Adam's weight. Allah does not do any injustice to us whatsoever. And if you were to do any good, Allah will multiply your good deed. And He will give you from Himself a great reward. SubhanAllah, any small good that we do, Allah will multiply the reward for us. And Allah gives us things we, we don't deserve to begin with. And Allah causes no injustice and does no injustice upon us whatsoever. And finally, in this surah is the injunction for all of us to be witnesses for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. O you who believe, be persistently firm upon justice, witnesses for Allah. Just as the Prophet ﷺ will be brought on the Day of Judgment as a witness for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to witness the truth and justice, Allah is telling us to be witnesses of truth and justice. And to do that by standing up for the truth and standing on the side of justice, no matter who it's for or no matter who it is against, this is the way of our Prophet ﷺ. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us the people of justice. Ameen. InshaAllah, Jameen. Jazakallah khair. Sheikh Abdullah, you want to share anything? Uh, final thought. Barakallah fiqh, Sheikh Ibrahim. Absolutely beautiful. No, mashallah. I, I, you know, there's, there's a lot. I, I'm afraid to start. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the sentiment. <laughs> Just one thing. Okay, one thing. Is, is looked at like Sutanisa is looked at as like too technical. Like, oh, it's like it, you know, Ali Imran flows with these beautiful stories. And I admit, like, even when you do hif, like Sutanisa is like really difficult, but it's actually an extremely, subhanAllah, rich, rich, rich surah. SubhanAllah. Very rich, very rich, very rich surah. MashaAllah. I like when you talked about um, basically how when one wants to be seen giving sadaqah, it's demeaning to the recipient. And sometimes you see that, you know, and I think that's a huge reminder to a lot of organizations, uh, particularly in this month. And not to blanket any, you know, say that, okay, when we do that, it's it's by, it's definitely a PR stunt and we, you know, no, but it's just it's very important that before you even go out to distribute to the poor, it would, even if you're individual, 
you know, just to check your knee and just make sure you have the right intention that ultimately you're doing this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to give from what Allah has given you. And yes, there is a point where people need to see work being done uh, and also to encourage others to get involved. And a lot of times, you know, I'm an imam, I receive calls. Are there any organizations that I'd be able to give this money to or to give this to? And if you, if you have a network, that's very, very helpful. So, you know, hats off to the organizations, the nonprofit organizations that really go forth in helping humanity. But within that work, it's very, very important when you press any key or you want to make, you know, uh, take a picture or anything of that nature, that your intention is right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that the people feel that you really want to help them. And people can feel it, you know, when, when, when you come out and you really want to help them. So I, I'm really glad you, you point, you, you touched on that point, because that's huge. That's huge for every individual. Jazakallah. Sheikh Ibrahim, I mean, what, what I think that narration of Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, reading to the Prophet sallallahu we, we talk about it to mention the um, the way the Prophet sallallahu was moved by the Qur'an and how it made him cry, but I think the particularity of that verse, like that he felt the weight of that, alayhi salatu wasalam, that he is a witness upon us all, so we should feel the weight of being his ummah, witnesses upon all other ummah and all of, and all of mankind. So may Allah reward you for that reflection. Uh, very powerful. I really enjoyed tonight's session. I enjoy all of them, but uh, very special, subhanAllah. Um, especially when you talk about, again, a surah that people usually just like us, oh, inheritance and laws of marriage and arbitration is so much. Uh, like it's, it's rich, and I hope people will enjoy their, their recitation of it more now, understanding some of the background of it. So barakallahu fikum. A reminder to everyone, yakhinainstitute.org slash Ramadan. You can download the ebooks and you can support our work at the link below or at that link as well. Barakallahu fikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Last year was about bringing Ramadan to your home when the doors of the masajid were closed. This year is specifically about bringing the Prophet ﷺ to your home. And this is not just something that we seek to do in Ramadan. This is something that defines our very mission at Yaqeen. Whether it's talking about the proofs of prophethood or talking about prophetic parenting, we recognize that the Prophet ﷺ is relevant to us, whether it is in our societal affairs, our community affairs, our family affairs, our individual affairs. And that is true inside of Ramadan and outside of Ramadan. We hope that you've been enjoying bringing the Prophet ﷺ to your heart and to your home this Ramadan, inshallah ta'ala, whether it was through the videos or through the research publications or through the infographics. And we also hope, inshallah ta'ala, that you will continue to support this prophetic mission. Last year, alhamdulillah, it was your support in Ramadan that enabled us to do so much for the year after. And inshallah ta'ala, we have no doubt that bi'idhnillah you will continue to support us inshallah ta'ala so that we can do so much more.